Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Michael C. Bouchard, the host of Night Stalker Podcast. This is episode number 34, and this will be dealing with the disappearance of uh, Dorothy Dora Forstein, which occurred on uh, January 25th of 1949. It's a kind of uh, a really weird, weird disappearance. It, it brings me to the uh, Joan Rich disappearance in uh, 1961. Um, <clears throat> in this case, Dorothy was basically uh, known as a fun-loving, happy, happy person. Had a pretty good life. Uh, she had been married to uh, Jules Forstein, who was the uh, clerk for the Philadelphia city council at the time. <clears throat> um, they had four children. Uh, names of the children aren't really necessary for a simple reason. It has no direct impact on the case. Um, it's interesting though because she disappeared in 49. However, uh, earlier uh, probably about five years earlier, she had been attacked in the house. The suspect was basically just des described as a uh, male. Uh, <clears throat> Dorothy had been struck several times in the back of the head. Uh, she was found um, unconscious, uh, had concussions. It's interesting because, you know, <clears throat> as I'm reading through some of my notes, um, for some reason it mentioned that she, that she uh, and one of the uh, neighborhood matriarchs didn't like each other, but uh, I'm suspecting that's a female, so I don't see the link with that. Um, you know, whoever jumped out of the darkness, there was actually an intent there. Nothing was stolen. Uh, the interesting uh, thing in, in that, the first, or the original attack, uh, attack was that <clears throat> it's reported that when Dorothy fell to the ground, uh, she was unconscious. Uh, basically, it says that uh, she sustained uh, several bruises to her arms, head, uh, and her one of the arms and shoulder were dislodged. Uh, the interesting thing was that here's here's a point where I'm not sure exactly if I believe the exact circumstances. It says that when she knocked the phone over, the phone dislodged. Uh, which was, there was a phone in the hallway, dislodged the operator at the time, because back then we had real operators that actually answered the phones, that uh, the operator heard uh, the commotion in the background and contacted the police. Um, the police arrived at the house minutes later and found uh, Dorothy on the floor. 
in the hallway, suffering from a broken jaw, shattered nose, fractured shoulder, and a brain concussion. She was rushed to the hospital. Now, right then and there, so the person entered the house, okay, was involved in the attack, but if you look at the dynamics of the attack, broken jaw, shattered nose, fractured shoulder, and a brain concussion. This was personal, okay? Whether it was directly aimed towards Dorothy or possibly her husband, who was a magistrate at the time, uh, it's unknown. The, the crime uh, was deemed an attempted murder. Uh, the individual investigating the crime was uh, Captain James Kelly, the Philadelphia Police Department Homicide Division. Uh, and he indicates that no money, jewelry, or anything else had been taken from the, uh, the home. Which is kind of interesting because, uh, again, it just kind of, it just kind of uh, collaborates my thought that this was this wasn't a personal attack. This was a personal attack. This wasn't a uh, let's go in and steal stuff. Uh, it wasn't a tip. It wasn't a burglary. It was it was a premeditated attack. Um, it is interesting though. I had read it, an article. <clears throat> I'm not sure who the writer was, didn't really put his name, but uh, apparently back in the early 2000s, uh, an online uh, source article about the, uh, about the attack was put on there and everyone that was playing it received letters from an attorney basically saying, you know, requesting that they take it off because of... Uh, uh, family, um, the sensitive nature of the uh, case. Well, that was 50 years ago. Now we are at 72, and more than likely, even the attorney that wrote that is probably deceased. Uh, so we're going to let this roll because uh, and it's not that I don't have any uh, sympathy or empathy for the family. However, um, Sometimes letting dead dogs lie is not the correct way to find out who committed the crimes, whether the individual is alive or dead. It's, it's, it's something that needs to be done to close the case. Um, and that, that, these are things that need to be done. Uh, you know, th these are things that needed to be uh, addressed. Uh, after the initial uh, incident, um, Dorothy's persona and character had changed a lot. She went from being carefree to uh, anxious and nervous, uh, kind of po basically post-traumatic stress syndrome, uh, jumping every time there was a noise in the house and, uh, you know, uh, making sure the doors were secured. Um, you know, just things like that that tend to happen after some type of traumatic experience. Um, her husband uh, somewhat deflected the, the nature of the attack. 
uh, listen, you're a judge, you're putting people in jail. He, he, he basically made statements that he, he didn't know of anybody that would want to, uh, that he had judged that would want to basically take out revenge. Well, uh, as a judge, I, I would think that that would be the first and foremost thing on your uh, agenda. I mean, you know, people, you judge people, you send people to jail, you fine them, you do whatever, um, and they're not going to like you. Uh, but basically, after the first attack, he uh, it said that he seldom left his wife or children alone. Um, however, on October 18th of 49, um, he made plans to attend the political banquet. Um, he had called to check on uh, his wife, uh, told her that he wouldn't be home too late. Uh, she replied that, uh, you know, everything was okay and be sure to miss me. It's kind of an interesting statement. Be sure to miss me. Why? Why would you say that? That's that's another thing that that keeps that keeps kicking me back to the uh, the uh, Carol Rish case or the Gone Girl, which was uh, staged. Regardless of anybody wants to see, if you want to listen to it, go to episode number one. Uh, her husband reported at about 11.30 p.m., 2330 hours, uh, he came home uh, to find two of his children uh, huddled on the floor crying. Uh, one of the children was staying at the friend's house, and another child was nowhere to be found, which is kind of interesting because there's no indication of what happened to that, that uh, the fourth child. Um, I don't know, was she hiding in the house? Uh, did she never come back? Nobody, uh, nobody really said, uh, you know, there wasn't really an explanation for that. Uh, you know, when, um, when her husband got back, he thought it was uncommon, but thought she may have gone to see a friend or friends um, you see again and, and here's the here's the issue we have in cases like this where they seem suspicious we do not know what the family dynamic uh, that dynamics of relationships are we don't know um, who's visiting who uh, who's doing what so there's outside dynamics that are always uh, involved in these cases which unless we find the person or find a suspect uh, we never know these things. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting though because in the second disappearance, uh, the original captain uh, who was investigating the crime, uh, he, had, he had sent over uh, 10,000 flyers out to hospital morgues and hotels all over Philadelphia um, trying to locate her, basically with a description trying to locate her. Um, It basically uh, refers that, uh, again, uh, her purse was there, money and keys were at the house. Uh, two lines of thought, two, two avenues of thought, you know, if it was a crime, that's why they were there. 
Uh, she was abducted. That's why they were killed. That's why they were there. However, with the killing part, I'm not sure about that. Okay, because there's no mention about any blood. No blood splatter, no blood pooling, no blood. It, it's, it was completely averted. So, um, you know, that leaves some questions to, for me. Leaving behind your money, keys, and purses at home, not uncommon. You know, go, go, rolling right back to Joan Rish. Um, the, same, the same type of pattern. You know, it's it's um, <clears throat> it's interesting because there is a statement here by uh, which Captain Kelly has in his report concerning one of the older uh, daughters. Uh, one of the daughters, uh, she saw a man uh, coming up the stairway. The man went to her mother's room. The door was cracked open. The daughter stated that she could see her mother laying face down on the rug and she looked sick. Okay. This is interesting because if in the event it was intact, what we're why wasn't any of this commotion heard by uh, any of the three children in the house? Okay, that's another that's another red flag here. She described the man as wearing a brown hat, brown jacket with some something sticking out of his pocket. Uh, the suspect picked her mother up and put her over his shoulder. Uh, at the time, uh, her mother was wearing uh, red silk pajamas and red slippers. Um, the child asked the man what he was doing. He patted her on the head and replied, go back to sleep, little one. Your mom has been sick, but she will be all right. Uh, Again, you know, no commotion, mother's laying on the floor. Well, how did she get on the floor without some type of commotion, yelling, screaming? Um, you know, there's a lot of red flags in this case. You know, um, I, I just see, I just see a lot of I, I just see a lot of uh, a lot of questions, you know, um, in this whole case. I, I you know, I, I just get that that hair on the back of your neck, you know, stands up. Um, that was the last time that uh, Dorothy uh, Horstein was ever seen. Uh, there were no leads, no spec suspects no explanation of what may have happened or had occurred on, on that night uh, like I said I mean while I'm reading this and I've read several other um, online articles I've listened to a few podcasts uh, I disregarded the ones that I thought were BS and the ones that I, I thought the support the report had some substance to it I combed over and I just found a lot of uh, just a lot of questions that needed to be asked not to say that a crime wasn't committed but at the same time um, there are certain things that occurred during a crime that weren't present here um, 
the police, when they arrived on scene, found that the all the doors in the house were locked. Okay, well, if this is the case, well, how did the person get in? When the person left, why was the door locked? To keep the kids in the house, maybe. To suppress entry, maybe. <clears throat> Known person, maybe. Premeditated, could be. You know, you can't, you can never eliminate this type of, uh, this type of thought pattern when you're looking at crimes because things, <clears throat> things happen for a reason. You know, another uh, interesting case, if, if you're looking, it's the same, the same type of scenario is the Dorian Vincent case from Wallingford, Connecticut back in, I believe it was 1988. Um, there's actually a really good podcast uh, that a few of my friends do on Dorian Vincent. Um, they've actually progressed, had more progression in the case than the local police department, who seems to have absolutely no interest in finding the uh, missing 14-year-old. So, <clears throat> until then, until our next episode 35, um, just remember, like I always tell you, when you're in a dark parking lot, on a dark street, in a dark alley, why would you be in a dark alley anyway? or in a dark path in the woods? That's another questionable thing. Why the hell would you be there? But if you are there, and you happen to hear footprints behind, steps behind you, just remember, you don't know who they are, and you don't remember or know what their intent is. So always beware. Until the next episode, this is Michael C. Bouchard, host of the Night Stalker podcast, and feel free to share this with your friends. We are, our crowd base is uh, growing exponentially. Uh, it's growing real fast, um, so we'd like to put it out there a little more. I, I know I'm, <clears throat> you know, it sometimes get, gets lackluster because I'm, I speak in kind of a monotone voice and I'm always shuffling through paperwork and stuff like that just to make sure I have the correct information. Uh, you know, I, I don't really in, do interviews uh, or do host and co-host because I found that some of the ones I've done the, the the primary host tries to navigate things into uh, directions where they don't need to go so that's that's not my style my style is sitting here um, just putting the facts out something to gain your interest something to make you think twice until the next episode I will see you then